0: Welcome back to episode number nine of Steph's Business Bookshelf where we're talking about Fierce Leadership by Susan Scott. I really enjoyed this book so keep listening to find out more about fierce conversations around telling the truth and about how to be a better manager. You're listening to Steph's Business Bookshelf, doing the reading so you don't have to. This is episode number nine which is quite exciting because the next episode, episode 10, is going to be into double figures as a celebration of this i'm going to be running a competition on instagram so if you don't already make sure you follow me at steph underscore clark underscore underscore to find out more about the competition when it launches and be in a chance to win as usual a little bit about the author known for her bold yet practical approach to executive coaching and leadership development Susan Scott has been challenging people to say the things that are hard to say for over two decades. Susan founded Fierce in 2001 after 13 years leading CEO think tanks, more than 10,000 hours of conversations with senior executives and one epiphany. While no single conversation is guaranteed to change the trajectory of a career, a business, a marriage or a life, any single conversation can. Susan continues to share her expertise with her clients through her keynote presentations and her award-winning books, such as this one. And that information was taken from the Fierce Inc. website. A little bit about the book before I go into the three big ideas. This book is a big literary kick in the ass for anyone who is a manager or leader of others. It shines a painful light on the crappy best practices that have become the norm in organisations, and I'm looking at you feedback sandwich, and the apathy for which we willingly accept. The book is practical. It provides frameworks, methods, conversation starters, and perspectives on how teams can work better through powerful, clear, and open conversations. I took copious notes whilst reading this book and have used a number of the ideas in client workshops and with teams. My biggest takeaway was the overriding concept. The biggest problems will be from the conversations you didn't have. Big idea number one is to do real conversations properly. On this topic, Susan talks a lot about seeing the other person, around surfacing the mockatas. And a mockata is a Papua New Guinean term for something that everyone knows but nobody talks about. Really, the elephant in the room. It's about getting to the real issues and putting them on the table in front of everyone to talk about and to see and to name, which really comes to the idea of the shared language. And she talks a lot about the importance of shared language. This is something that is also common in a number of leadership and management books that's really push the idea of braver conversations. Brené Brown's book, Dare to Lead, which I talked about in episode two, talks about this idea around about shared language, shared vocabulary. It's a really powerful idea. The things Susan adds in her book are a number of frameworks and conversation topics and starters that you can use with your team to create the shared language. One of which is the beach ball conversation. I really liked the beach ball framework and and what it is is that each person will share their view of the world from their stripe on the beach ball and that might be a metaphorical beach ball or it might be a real beach ball it's up to you how practical you want to go with this but the idea is that each person is sharing their view and it's non-offensive it's not disregarding anyone else's view but it's saying from my stripe on the beach ball so on my blue stripe for example this is how i see the world But the acknowledgement that from each stripe on the beach ball, you can't see all of what the other stripes can see. So it's about finding out what are other people seeing from their stripe. There were two really powerful questions that I really like, which you can use with a team and would really uncover some of the discomfort and some of the things that aren't being said. The first one was, what do you need from this team that you're not getting? Which would be a very good one for uncovering some of the elephants or the mocketers in the room. The second question is what could you contribute to this team that you're not contributing? So finding out what is holding people back, what is stopping people from bringing their best self to their work, to the team, to the organization, whatever it is. And that might be something internal to them or something external, or something that there is a perception of why they can't bring their full selves to their team or to their work. The concept really builds throughout the book around having real conversations and doing that properly because without that, we can't properly connect as people and as teammates and as colleagues and as people trying to achieve the same thing with this shared goal, the shared vision or whatever it is that the team is working towards. So really important to step up and have a better and bigger conversation. That was big idea number one, do real conversations properly, be brave. Big idea number two is to look out for your DNA. This concept is about finding your DNA or your fingerprints on things that have gone wrong. It's asking yourself, how did I contribute to this situation, particularly when the situation didn't go well? It's about focusing on admitting that you have contributed to that situation and being able to call that to yourself, first of all, but then to your team. I really liked the idea that Susan shares throughout the book around accountability only being of yourself. We can't hold other people accountable. And often when we're looking to hold others accountable, we're really asking, who can I blame? Which isn't great if you're trying to create a high performing team. Real accountability starts with self. So you need to model it. It needs to be visible. You need to be asking questions in the team, up front in your meetings to say, given these results, which are probably maybe ones that were unfavorable, what will I do about it? And then doing that thing, holding yourself accountable. Quite recently, I had to rewrite a bit of a job description for a role I was doing. And instead of writing kind of my roles and responsibilities, I wrote it as, these are the things I will hold myself accountable for. And I thought that was quite a powerful way of, of showing A, my dedication to that particular role and what I was doing, but also to my role myself in achieving those particular goals and outcomes and and tasks and actions I needed to do. Underpinning all of this, Susan talks about the fact that the progress of an organization depends on your progress as an individual. And it is really about having honest conversations with yourself about when you screw up and being open about it. And some people might call that vulnerability, other people might call it something different. It really comes down to the fact that you are the culture and what you do and the example you set will shape the rest of the culture and those around you, the rest of your team and what they can expect both of themselves and of you. The other way to look out for your DNA is to look at the behaviors around the team. So it might not be that one task or one project or a particular situation went badly. It might be some of the behaviors that you're seeing or not seeing around your team. So take a look around, have a look, where might that be as a result of something you have done, maybe not recently, it might be some time ago, but start to think about why would that happen? Where is your DNA on that behavior or that lack of a behavior? This might be coming back to idea number one and having some brave conversations, asking people, why is it that you don't come and ask me questions? Why is it that you don't ask for help? Because what you you might see is the result down the line, when something goes wrong, because someone hasn't asked the question. Is it that you appear unapproachable, either either because you're too busy, you're not very available, or just your general demeanor makes it seem that you're not very approachable. So look out for your DNA in other places rather than just necessarily one situation that doesn't go well. That was big idea number two, look out for your DNA. Find where it lies around the organization and in your team. Big idea number three is to engage and be brave. Which really sums up all of this. So the idea is that this stuff only works if you do. It's about stepping up to true leadership, which involves bravery. There is a huge difference when everyone is engaged, including yourself. There's a lot of examples and language throughout the book and this definitely speaks to what I see regularly in in teams I work with and organizations I speak to around the apathy that exists around leadership makes me very sad (laughs) and it makes me feel that it's got to a point where things are so accepted that we do things so poorly in a lot of not all but in a lot of organizations and what we accept is so average that it's too hard to change and it becomes bigger than all of us but we then forget to stop and look and fix ourselves and step up and not to accept some of those things Even the little things, like people being late to meetings, that's the hygiene factors of an organisation and people can't even turn up early or on time to meetings. What does that mean about the respect that we're giving to other things and each other in our organisations? One of the concepts throughout the book that there's little kind of cutouts for in the book is this concept of squid eye. So it's about developing the ability to see the behaviours and the toxicity sometimes and what's not working as the signs of dysfunction so she talks about developing squid eye being able to see hang on people do that thing I've never really noticed that before but is that a result of this behavior or this part of our culture not quite being where it could or should be it's also about setting aside of self and the discomfort that can come from having some of these honest and brave conversations with people because that discomfort over time will diminish because you'll be used to having those conversations. You'll have a shared language. There is a shared expectation. Big idea number three is to engage and be brave in your leadership. Stuff I really liked about this book is that it is real, it is strong, and it is fierce. It's also unusual. And I think that's the sad thing about this is that a lot of the behaviors and language and examples that Susan shares throughout the book are unusual in most of our organizations. There's a phrase that she uses throughout the book around lowering your aim. So it's uh, it's about, if you're not prepared to do these things, then lower your aim because you will not get a high performing team. You will not be a high performing organization. You won't be a high performing leader. If you don't step up to the plate and tackle some of these, these issues. So therefore, you need to lower your aim. There is a focus on you as an individual, your impact and your role and your ability to have comfort with discomfort. It's also a focus on the whole system. From interviews that include the whole team. So when they're interviewing new team members, actually involving everyone, to performance reviews, to strategic conversations and really shaking up all of it to, have, or to include the real conversations that need to be had. That mean all of those things will then follow through to something good. How many times have you been in performance reviews or heard feedback from performance reviews where nothing has then ever changed? Again, with strategies, you know, how many times have you maybe been in a strategy workshop as a leadership team and then nothing comes of it? Chances are that's because the, the wrong conversations were had and the fundamentals around people's accountability to themselves and also the their agreement to, to move things forward wasn't actually covered which means people can't carry those things forward because there's something getting in their way that has yet to be uncovered. I also really like the fact that the book was very practical and includes some great frameworks and techniques and conversations, loads of questions that you can use straight away in your team, your organization. It just requires you to do it, which really brings me to my recommendation. And I really recommend this book for anyone who really wants to truly, really lead. If you want to step up, if you want to change the culture in your organisation, if you want to lead for better, this is how you will need to do it. And this is a great starting point. So I highly recommend getting this book, picking a few of the techniques and things to use and doing it, stepping up and leading. If you do want to get the book, don't forget that in the show notes, you can click on one of the Amazon affiliate links to buy the book directly. I've already added the link there for you to make it super easy. And if you do read this book, I'd love to hear from you. What did you take away? What was your biggest slap in the face when it came to reading this book? Because there's a few in there. And all of us should, be, should feel guilty from reading this book because all of us will have tripped over and done some of these things or avoided some of these things at one point in our careers or relationships in our lives. You can contact me on my email address, steph at stephclark.com or on Instagram, steph underscore clark underscore underscore. Let me know what you thought of this episode and if you read the book. Until next time, happy reading.